Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day, listeners. Welcome to today's broadcast. The story is told of a young soldier serving in the armies of Napoleon. He had fallen asleep on guard duty and now faced the death penalty. His mother heard of it and went to plead for her son that his life might be spared. Napoleon, hearing her, was much impressed by her love for her son. But, said Napoleon, your son deserves to die. It is just that he die. For by his crime he jeopardized the lives of all the soldiers. And then the mother said, yes, sire, I know that he deserves to die. I know that justice demands his death. But it is for mercy I plead. Napoleon was deeply moved. He granted her request. Her son was not put to death. He obtained mercy. That story has tremendous appeal for us. Almost automatically we conclude that justice and mercy are two altogether different things. You can only have the one at the expense of the other. The Bible, however, shows that this is not the case when talking about God. God is certainly merciful, but he is also just. His justice demands that sin be punished. God is both just and he is merciful, and you cannot have the one without the other. And that is so because God establishes, he builds his mercy on the foundation of his justice. It was the love, the mercy, the compassion of the Lord that moved him to send his son into the world, in order that, on the foundation of his death, which satisfies the just demands of his wrath, he might show mercy to whom he would show mercy. And now we hear our Savior say to the children of the covenant, You are blessed when you are merciful, you will surely obtain merciful. What does it mean to be merciful? What is being said about a person when it is said he or she is merciful? It is possible, of course, that people use that word without a biblical awareness or understanding of its meaning. So the first thing we must do is look at the way the Bible uses the word merciful. It uses that word in reference to God, in reference to Christ, and in reference to man. Many people think that the Old Testament tells us about the Lord as a God of wrath, a God of vengeance, a God who judges harshly, mercilessly. That is a terrible misrepresentation of the Old Testament revelation of God. I think, for example, of the words of Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I think of Ezra, as it recalls in his penitential psalm recorded in Nehemiah 9, verse 17. In that psalm, Ezra recounts specifically God's dealings with Abraham, that he made a covenant with him. And the Lord's dealings with the Israelites at Mount Sinai. He confesses that they were a stiff-necked people, those Israelites at Sinai. But, says Ezra, you, the Lord, you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. You can't help but notice it. When the Lord speaks of his mercy, he does that within the framework of his covenantal faithfulness to his people to the children of the covenant. 
And that's recognized by both David and Ezra. Moreover, when the Lord speaks about his mercy and when his servants confess the mercy of the Lord, then it's always in the context of his forgiving grace. Look at Exodus 34. When the Lord announced himself, when he declared to Moses who he is, then the Lord says not only that he is merciful and gracious, but that he is slow to anger, that he abounds in steadfast love, and that he forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. That's the thing that the prophet Joel reminds the people of when he calls them to repentance. The prophet Joel, you see, had to announce the judgment of the Lord upon the people of the Lord who walked in covenantal disobedience. But he did not do that without also still calling them to repentance. Joel continues by providing the people with a powerful motivation. Return to the Lord your God, he says, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and repents of evil. The Lord is a God of mercy, filled with the spirit of forgiveness. He is eager to forgive his erring children, the children to whom he bound himself in covenant. And now we hear Jesus say to the children of the covenant, You are blessed when you are merciful. Jesus is not simply talking about being kind to one another. We, as imitators of our Father in heaven, must be filled with the spirit of forgiveness. When a fellow member of the household of faith has sinned against you, and thereby has done violence to you in your relationship, then you must be filled with compassion. You must do everything in your power to communicate your readiness and your willingness to forgive. Oh, I know that the erring member must indeed seek forgiveness, but long before that you must communicate your earnest desire to forgive. Think for a moment. What makes it possible for you to turn to the Lord for forgiveness? What draws you to the Lord to come to Him in penitence? Is it not the fact that you know that you are fully assured that the Lord will forgive? That he is even eager to forgive? The Lord wants us to be known to each other as people who are filled with compassion, as people who are merciful, as people who can and will forgive. It is the spirit of this world that says, I will forgive, but first, and then announces a host of conditions. It's a spirit born of this world that counsels, before forgiveness can take place, there must be healing. Such counsel is contrary to the word of our God, which tells us that healing and restoration can take place only on the foundation of forgiveness both offered and received. And all too often people fail to understand that. They turn it backwards. They look for healing where there is no forgiveness. Consequently, they experience neither forgiveness nor healing. Jesus underscores that point later on in the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 9, you read that Jesus sat at a table with many tax collectors and sinners. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He then said to them, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus saw people who were very particular about the outward observances of the law, but who themselves were not inwardly turned toward the Lord. Because these people's hearts were corrupt, that's why their sacrifices were useless. More than that, 
Their sacrifices constituted a trampling upon the mercy of the Lord. See, they never really understood that those sacrifices were meant to convey to them their need for forgiveness. They no longer understood that. They despised that. They were hard and cruel. They were unforgiving. So they trampled upon the mercy of the Lord. And so it was that they never experienced forgiveness and were not of a forgiving spirit. They sat in judgment upon the tax collectors and sinners. It never dawned on them that they, who claimed to be the righteous, were the sinners who needed the Savior. Now you see the blessedness that is promised to those who are merciful is indeed that they shall obtain mercy. That's not a question of them having earned it. Surely not. Also here, it is by grace you are saved. It's a gift of God. Jesus wants no one to fool himself. Jesus wants no one to be like the Pharisees, whom he calls hypocrites. Says Jesus, if it is true that you are a child of the Father who is in heaven, if you have experienced the mercy of the Lord so that you know that all of your iniquity and all of your transgression has been covered by the forgiving grace of the Lord, then you will show that in the way you deal with your fellow members of the covenant who sin against you. Therein, you will experience the mercy of the Lord concretely in your daily walk of life. You will know that you are blessed. It is James who reminds us, judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. No doubt James knew the story of the unforgiving servant which Jesus told, and you know it too. You know how it was that that servant, who had had a great debt forgiven him, refused to forgive the few pennies owed to him by a fellow servant. And then his Lord called to him and said, I forgive you all that debt because you besought me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Mercy must beget mercy. Forgiveness must beget forgiveness. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, if you are indeed merciful, then you will indeed obtain mercy. Then you are blessed. Then you may enter the joy of your Savior and Lord, and then you may know it for sure. The eternal habitations are open to you. Thank you for listening. Till next time.